Hello and welcome to Table Talk Friday, your weekly dose of D&D banter between three men in a bedroom. If you like their style, make sure to follow them on whichever podcast service you prefer, and come back every Friday for another upload. Now, back to the boys. Oh, okay. Something totally random has nothing to do with D&D. I walked outside yesterday to get the mail, right? So, it's 9 p.m. I just got off work a little bit ago. I just checked my calendar to make sure it wasn't Sunday. Hmm. It I check wasn't. Hmm. You would have been a sinner. Huh. Well, on a different day other than Sunday, I went out to get the mail. So, I walk outside, and it's dark, of course, because it's late. And I start walking down the stairs. And as I do, I hear some sort of noise off to my left. It was more like me sensing that something was there. So, I turn to my left, and I see a book flying from the upper balcony just <laughs> drop it and it drops into the grass below like what the hell was that and i looked up there's no door from where <laughs> this book came from it was literally just balcony i look up there's no one up there right so i walk over and it's just that that dr seuss book the one fish catfish two fish one fish, fish two fish red fish blue fish yeah one fish it was sitting catfish. there what <laughs> and i was like what the hell is this so i i was like whatever that's weird so i go get the mail i come back two minutes later it's gone so there wasn't a window or something? No, there's no windows on the outside in the building. Not on, not on that side, anyway. Must have been a ghost book. It was so weird. It <laughs> you was know so them weird. ghost books that are falling down all the time. <laughs> I'm thinking Dr. Seuss is coming out. When you book. said flying book, I literally imagined a book just flapping and flying by, and I was like, not the weirdest thing I've seen. <laughs> it was just so weird. It came out of nowhere. There was no one there. It was just this flying book. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I've seen it. I, I tell you that day that I saw the flying book, it was real. It was that one fish, two fish, catfish, bluefish book. <laughs> <laughs> Please, one fish, two fish, catfish, dogfish. Oh, oh that's it. That's it. Yep, I remember that's when I true. The kid, yeah. yeah, the Maybe star, up. the star guys, star belly sneeches. Yep, that's the one. Yep, yep. That's that's, that's my favorite that's book. <sighs> By Shel Silverstein. <laughs> <laughs> By Edgar Allan Poe. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, I'm pretty mm-hmm. sure he, he helped it. It was like collab or something? Yeah, they collabed on that yeah. one. Well, he helped me. <laughs> oh, did he? Yeah, get over my meth addiction. Oh, oh, oh well, that's that's great, Zach. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, that's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> you sounded so actually okay. happy. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> this episode, we're coming out with meth addiction. <laughs> yeah, you know, that, it, it cut that part out. <laughs> Seth will fix it in post. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll fix everything in post. I'm cutting out the whole thing except for just the ending when I say, um, um, take us out. And then Ozzo goes, bam, 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 and takes it, kills us all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyways, hello. Welcome to uh, the second story time episode of Table Talk Friday. My name is Seth Pittman, and boy, have I got a story for you today. But first, a word from our sponsors. Ooh, that sucks. All right. <laughs> Burns a little bit. How are you boys doing? I'm doing fantastic. I, I was not killed by Dr. Seuss recently, so I'm, I'm going to go. Yeah, it's been like 15 minutes since we recorded our last episode, and boy howdy, that that Dr. Seuss episode was riveting. Woo-wee. Yep, yep. He's like a CR20, <laughs> I'd imagine. Um, who wants to go first for story time number two? Because I've got mine kind of ready, but I don't really want to go first. Funny you should ask! (laughs) Because I would be happy to go first and spin you the yarn of the Fey Holder. Consider me spun. The yarn of the Fey Holder, I like it. Uh Uh-huh, uh-huh. So, um, this is a a recent story of our recent escapades in uh, Descent into Avernus. um, In the well-known side story where the gang goes to the Feywild. Uh, Everyone (laughs) remembers this part of the module, so I don't need to catch you up on the details. Uh, but but just in case uh, you're one of those few people who haven't heard, uh, I'll give you the uh, the rundown. So th- this was uh, it was actually uh, spoiler alert. It wasn't uh, a written part of the module. Um, but Seth uh, deemed for us to uh, to get this particular uh, item that we needed uh, to progress the story that we'd go on this uh, side mission to the Feywild. So we uh, we go to the Feywild. Uh, we get there uh, w- with the help of uh, a Horizon Walker ranger uh, named Pan. She uh, teleports us uh, all to the Feywild, and then we end up there. Uh, instantly, we find that the Feywild is just full of bad things. 
um, <laughs> so it, surprisingly, um, we had an easier time in hell. <laughs> I mean, that's not a lie. So yeah, you guys were in a very um, dangerous section of the Feywild. I'll, that's all I'll say about that. It was a bad that. area. It was, just, yeah, a it was area. just a bad area, man. Yeah. So so anyway, uh, Pan is basically our guide uh, on this adventure. She knows that we have to go to this uh, temple of Titania. Uh, in order for us to find these urns of Phlegathosian sand um, that we need to uh, to return uh, to build a dream machine, um, the details aren't important. Um, but but this is the the purpose for our quest. So anyway, uh, we head out uh, instantly. We anger some treants who we brutally <laughs> murder, uh, and some d- displacer beasts who we brutally murder. Um, we then find out that oh. Uh, <laughs> Maybe maybe we shouldn't open uh, every you know uh, encounter with uh, with violence. So so we tone it back a little bit as we move forward. Uh, as we're going through the wilds, um, one of our uh, characters, Varys, is his name, uh, played by our good friend Broccoli Eric. Um, he is continuously wooing Pan, uh, the 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 female uh, elf ranger <laughs> that's uh, leading us uh, on this journey and she's just not having it and he's um, great at it too yeah yeah no he, he's super charming um so anyway uh, he he's giving us some <laughs> some we'll, we'll say uh, a little creepy vibes i'm i'm gonna go full send and say stalker vibes yeah i was getting full-on stalker vibes from him i mean i would, I would say it was like smooth as sandpaper I'll, I'll, give him, <laughs> I'll give him that uh so in any case um the tensions are high in the party uh we set up camp our first night uh, in the Feywild, and everyone else sets up camp at our spot. And then, like the edgelord loner she is, Pan goes off on her own and says, I'll meet with you guys in the morning. Don't follow me. That sort of thing. Um, so who is to follow <laughs> Pan <laughs> into the woods but but our good friend Varys? Um Anyway, uh, it there's a happy ending. Um, she beats the shit out of him, um, <laughs> and we and we uh, fast forward to the next day. Justice. Uh, as we're continuing on our journey, uh, we come upon this mountain range. Um, that, 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 I'll spare you the details of the the whole adventure because it, it was a very uh, fraught and uh, and dangerous uh, place. Um, but there were. Uh, Cyclops is mounted on giant birds, throwing rocks at us, um, and Drew's character Pyth nearly died uh, in that encounter, and he ended up getting kidnapped, so we had to chase after him and uh, run up to, to the top of this mountain. Um, we took a shortcut through, uh, through a cave, um, and he ended up actually leaping from the top of this mountain through a geyser uh, that ran through it, uh, and we happened upon him uh, in... The, uh, the bottom of this geyser in the in the cave as we were trying to uh, you know desperately rush up to save him um, many close calls were had he died nearly so many times um, but he did not die <laughs> I had a handle or did he we'll get to that so <laughs> anyway uh, <laughs> after this um this encounter uh, we finally uh, we get Pyth back. Uh, which my character Oswin, he's just overjoyed um, to to finally have uh, Pyth back. They sort of have like a um, a, a stepdad uh, surrogate father relationship sort of thing going on. Um, so Oswin's definitely a stepdad. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, well, now we know for for certain that he is. <laughs> he's uh, a real dad. We'll we'll probably talk about that at some point. Yeah. But um, but anyway, so we finally uh, we get out of this dangerous encounter, but we know. Uh, as we're going into the uh, the tit- or the crescent forest uh, to find this Titanian temple, um, that the the place is infested with myconids um, who are strangely hostile, uh, and we're not exactly sure why. So uh, we we delve into this forest. We find just a bunch of these myconids, which are m- mushroom-like uh, humanoids, um, and they're just immediately attacking us. Uh, violent, bad things, no good. Um, so, so we, uh, we go, uh, through, uh, through the forest. We, we take care of the myconids pretty easily. They're not that dangerous. Um, but then we make it into the temple. And so this is, a a grave error. 
we'll say. So, uh, as we uh, come into the, the, the first area of the temple, there are Myconids stationed outside, uh, sort of to guard the place. We come in guns a-blazing, pow, pow, pow. Uh, all the Myconids are dead. No biggie. Uh, we go into this first chamber, and then uh, immediately we find the, the, the Phlegathosian sand, which we needed to get. So, by all accounts, our journey was over. We could return home happily. But, <laughs> as we were about to, to, to leave, we did find that there was another passage in this temple um, that goes to a spiral staircase that heads straight down. And this spiral staircase goes down maybe like 100 feet. Um, and so, adventurers that we are, we know if there's one thing about dungeons... There's going to be some treasure inside. <laughs> and at this point, you guys don't know why the Mikeans are acting weird. No. Now, you are not morally obligated to solve said scenario, but you're in a dungeon, you know? But the loot. You're adventurers. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And we did meet some fairies who um, who did want to kill Pyth, um, but we brokered a, uh, an arrangement with them. Um, we, we came to peace. So if we would uh, get the Mikeans out of the forest, or at least, you know figure out what's causing them to be so hostile and, and sort of, you know, amend the situation, then bygones would be bygones. We'd, um, you know, go our separate ways, leave the, the Feywild a better place than when we found it. So, anyways, uh, adventurers that we are, we head down uh, into the, the, the heart of this temple just sort of to, to learn a little bit more. Uh, and Oswin uh, is definitely thinking about treasure. <laughs> but, um... But, but we, we do find uh, some treasure when we get down to the bottom of the stairs. So uh, we cross through the, uh, the threshold into this long hallway that leads up uh, to this room that's, uh, I recall it's... It's a wide with... open circular vaulted room with sconces on the wall lit with like all the different like technicolors, you know? Yeah, exactly. All the, all the colors of the rainbow. And so directly in the center of this large chamber is just this massive ball with eyes and tentacles, or, or so one singular eye and then tentacle stalks that come out um, with eyes on the end of them as well. Um, if you've played D&D or if you've seen anything D&D related, you probably know that this is a, a beholder. Uh, but what we don't know is that uh, the Feywild has, has touched this beholder in ways that we were not prepared for. Uh, I, I should specify that we're level 7 yes, um, at yes, this yes, point. Yes. So this is a very deadly encounter that yes. we're, uh, <laughs> we, we've stumbled upon. No. Um, so anyway, long story short, uh, the, the beholder has moves. Um, and anytime you try and cast a spell uh, in his chamber, and we still never figured out exactly what it is and uh, how that works. So I, I can tell you right now. Uh, anytime you cast a spell in his icon, instead of your spell being immediately um, countered, instead, what would happen is your spell would give off a random wild magic effect. Yep, so our uh, our mages, completely useless. Uh, <laughs> we, we've got two and a half mages uh, in, And this in the was from a table I found online, too. It was from a way cooler table than the table that's in the wild magic, like, uh, yeah. sorcerer stuff. Yeah, so anyway, when... Uh, ever we're casting spells there's a chance that just something terribly wrong will happen or something possibly useful could happen we're not entirely sure so uh we walk into this room this guy is instantly uh angry at us for invading his home and he he even for he foresaw that we would be coming so he knew that uh we'd show up uh he as i recall was a bit of a poet Yes. So, uh, yes. so it, oh. uh, strewn about the room are, um, you know, scrolls and parchment and then uh, ink. And this uh, beholder, he doesn't have hands, but uh, he is lifting the... Uh, the telekinetically, Yeah, yes. telekinetically uh, writing uh, this poetry. And as we, uh, we step into the room, he has this whole oh. uh, <laughs> speech prepared that Seth did very well uh, so at, at reciting for us. Um, in any case... We're all sort of shitting bricks at this point, but the, the Beholder also has, uh, what, a pair of spectacles and a robe. Yes. Uh, and we can see towards the back of the room, there are signs of treasure. So, um, gallantly and stupidly, we run into combat. 
uh, our fighter who should be carrying this fight for us, as he's so much more powerful than all of us, um, keeps getting charmed to the point where he can't do anything. To, to his best friend? Yeah. <laughs> to his best friend, the, the, the beholder. Um, so, Please, the Fey holder. Yeah, and, and uh, Oswin's really not doing very well either. I think he misses most of his shots uh, that he's uh, he's shooting at him with his crossbow. Uh, well, I think we hit him maybe once. Uh, the room is also yeah. filled with Mykonids who are just overwhelming us. They're just bullet sponges. Yeah. Honestly, they're not doing damage, but they're not taking. They're uh, not dying. Yeah, exactly. And, and we weren't able to to get past them. Uh, into the the room with the beholder so we we quickly realized that oh this encounter that we thought we might be able to handle because we're really good at D&D uh, is about to turn deadly very quickly and that's exactly what happens so uh pan is is still with us she tries to cast haste i believe and instead turns into a potted plant uh, <laughs> <laughs> that was funny yep and then, uh, uh, due to the, the wild magic effect, if you're keeping up, uh, and then Pyth, the hero that he is, uh, Drew's character, uh, he runs in front of Pan to, uh, to protect her from any, uh, eye lasers that might be coming at us, uh, at this exact moment. Seth rolls a die. We look at him. He looks at us. It's not good. <laughs> there, there's that moment of, uh, acknowledgement at the table where everyone realizes, oh, this is bad. Uh, and then, um, th- did you even roll dice for that? I don't remember. Or is yeah, it just... no, I, I definitely rolled dice for that. Yeah, so we. Uh, uh, you I, I rolled your it. Dice it I think it was pretty close too, wasn't it? If I if it I'm was, not wrong, I think it was like ten to twenty points over. It yeah, was, it was it pretty was, close. It was pretty close. So if you guys don't know, a beholder has um, a very powerful like death ray type of um, effect that it can give off from one of its eye stalks. Now, it's completely random for which eye stalks you get each time, and I was getting pretty much the harmless ones the whole time, and so they weren't taking a lot of damage either, but no one was dealing damage to each other, really, until you can continue, Zach. Yeah, yeah, so Seth pulls out his dice roller app, which means that there's too many dice for for Seth to reasonably count, (laughs) uh, which means we know it's bad. So so Seth pulls out the app, he does the calculation, he looks over, uh, and then uh, describes... In decent detail, um, this purplish, blackish, necrotic ray fires out of the uh, the beholder's eye and uh, zooms past all of us and straight into Pyth, uh, who takes the brunt of the damage and uh, is, you know, he falls back for maybe just a moment and then instantly drops dead. It, it, Pyth had not been touched <laughs> in this fight, and, and that laser uh, just annihilates him. And then in this moment, we realize, oh, we're fucked. <laughs> so um, the uh, the beholder sort of susses out the situation. He realizes, oh, well, they've pretty much gotten through my myconids, so if this fight continues on too much longer, I might take some damage. So instead of uh, allowing that to happen, he sort of realizes, oh, well, you guys are defeated, uh, and there's no planet on which you can beat me, so... He says, "Yeah, you know, I'll uh, I'll let you go, and uh, and don't come back because he's just that cocky." Um, and I took that personally. <laughs> so, so anyway, um, we uh, it, we have a very somber moment where we bring Pyth, uh, his dead body, back up into the uh, into the temple, and uh, and Oswin. Uh, a special thing about him is he does have a uh, a devil uh, that he is bound to, uh, who lives in a shield. Uh, that he has. So, uh, the, this devil... It's got, a little quirk, you yeah, know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's well, a little quirk. Oh, I saw my soul. <laughs> a little, little mean. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, so, uh, when in hell, right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> anyway, the... Uh, the, the do. Yeah, the devil speaks uh, to Pyth in his uh, dying uh, moments and speaks to his soul and basically offers, uh, if you will uh, sell your soul to me, I will return you to life. Uh, and Pyth uh, is... Just a, a morally upstanding character, um, very much not uh, like Oswin. And so, uh, when presented with this offer, he says, no. Okay. <laughs> but um, but in this uh, somber moment, while uh, we, we drag Pyth's lifeless body out of the chamber and back up the stairs, and then into the temple, uh, Oswin hears the voice of Gargauth as well. 
uh, in the back of his mind. And he says, uh, if you sacrifice your will to me uh, and uh, every decision that you make from now on uh, is, is bound to me, um, basically uh, the, the arrangement has gotten a lot more serious. Whereas uh, before we had sort of a, uh, an agreement that I will get him out of this shield if he bees my cool shield. <laughs> um, all of a sudden, now I'm sort of in a pact for life situation. But he does uh, say that if I give my soul to him, uh, he will restore Pike's life. So, um, doing something that Zack would never do, uh, Oswin says, well, yes, for my boy, I will sacrifice my soul. So, um, <laughs> Pyth, yeah, yeah. Uh, so Pyth is returned to life. Uh, anyway, it's just a real downer. Uh, to the end of the session, but Pyth is alive, um, which is nice. Anyway, this all is very interesting. It is not why I brought up this story, because there's a part two. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, and and I just want to talk to you about maybe the greatest revenge story that's ever existed in D&D. But to hear about you have to tune in next episode. No, 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 no! And that's where we're going to end this week, boys. No, 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 no. So, um, uh, as a preface uh, to this second part, um, we ended the session there. Uh, We had to come back next week. Uh, Over the week, while uh, I'm thinking about... uh, Pyth just died. We are not leaving this place while that thing is still in there. We know for a fact now that it's controlling the Myconids... Uh, this we need to get rid of this thing in order to to fulfill our goal, and I want treasure. So, <laughs> so we're gonna do this, whether no one else wants to or not. Um, so uh, there is a the fairly well known mechanic in D anD D where if you um, take a extra dimensional space like uh, a bag of holding, where uh, if you put something in it. Uh, it's, like, way bigger on the inside than it is on the outside. Like a pocket can, dimension. Yeah, yeah. You can think of it like Santa's sack uh, in a lot Mary of... Mary Poppins' bag. Yeah, Mary Poppins' bag. Exactly. Bags of holding. Um, so Oswin has one of those, but he also has the ability to create another. So he's an artificer. Uh, this is one of the biggest things that I love about the artificer class is sort of this um, freedom to mess with magic items and... and pull some of the BS that your DM wouldn't necessarily allow you to get away with. So, um, a fairly well-known mechanic about bags of holding is if you stick one inside of another, um, since they're both pocket dimensions, uh, putting one inside of another rips a tear in space and time and sucks everything within 10 feet uh, straight to the astral plane. You do not get to make a saving throw against this. There is no, you know, no effect uh, to, to stop this from happening. So if a bag of holding goes inside of a, another bag of holding and you're within 10 feet of that, you're going to space, my guy. So, um, this is terrific news. Uh, <laughs> as you we, so happen to have two bags of holding. Yep, yep. So, um, so I use one of my artificer infusions to, to make a bag of holding. Um, we, we return uh, to the next session. And I, uh, I float my plan by everyone. Everyone says, no, Oswin, it's too risky. We're going home with our tails between our legs. And I said, no, guys, it's going to be really cool, I swear. <laughs> um, so a- as a, uh, an artificer, uh, I'm the, the battlesmith class. So I have my uh, uh, steel defender that, that follows me. Uh, it's basically a, a robot under my command. He does whatever I want him to. Uh, so I, uh, I go over to, uh, to my steel defender. Uh, his name is Stein. I say, Stein, take this bag. <laughs> take this other bag. <laughs> Hold on to him for me. <laughs> so uh, we, I, I finally convinced the party, you know, it's going to be really cool, I swear. Uh, let's go back one more time. I swear we're not going to die. <laughs> and, um, and we uh, eventually agree. Uh, and, uh, of course, in character, we also... Uh, determine, okay, well, does Oswin know how this works? Uh, he's got 20 intelligence. We'll make a couple checks. Oswin and Pyth both talk to each other. Pyth's a wizard, so we, we figure out how to do it in uh, in world, of course, so it all makes sense. Um, but uh, we we return to the Titanian Temple. There are Myconids uh, surrounding the place. This time, uh, it, many more than before, because the Fey the, the Holder foresaw that we were going to do this, and so it, he was very uh, prepared 
uh, for what we were about to try and pull off. So, what we did, um, I, I want to say it was Pythe, you cast Invisibility on Stein, and uh, our other mage, Hakili, cast Haste. Um, we do this all pretty much in one turn. We send Stein in uh, while he's invisible, none of the Myconids can see him, and he's going just so fast. Oh, we also cast Fly on him. Yes. So so I must have cast Invisibility. Uh, yeah, I cast Invisibility, Pythe cast uh, fly, and then Hakili cast haste. Um, so this man is a rocket ship, an invisible rocket ship, with a nuclear bomb in his hands. <laughs> <laughs> a ten-foot nuclear bomb. Yep, yep. Uh, and we, we send him in. So within the, the span of a turn, basically we're afraid, okay, if the Beholder gets to actually do anything, it might spend, uh, spell the end <laughs> of Stein, and then we just wasted... Uh, I'm not even entirely sure if Beholders can see through invisibility, but I bet that's something that they could do. Their whole thing is eyes. Um, so, so anyway, we, uh, we didn't want to be caught with our pants down, um, and we only really had one shot at this. If, uh, if Stein fails, we lose two bags of holding and my cool-ass robot, <laughs> so it, it better be worth it. <laughs> so a- anyway, we send Stein in, uh, and ultimately this is a suicide mission because he has to stick one bag of holding inside of the other bag of holding for this effect to go off, and he's got to be there. So he's also going to space. But it's okay. I can build another one. So anyway, uh, we get all this prep together. We send Stein down the stairs. Uh, he flies at mock speed uh, straight into the Fey holder, shoves the bag of holding inside the other bag of holding, and he's gone. <laughs> <laughs> but and, you guys didn't know that yet. No, no. So, <laughs> so then we had to... Um, the, the slowly but surely, um, well, so first thing we noticed was the, the, the is their skin changed from red to like a yellowish brownish color back to like a natural mushroom looking color. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they, they started to chill out. And yeah, then we, uh... they, were, they were super <laughs> zooted, dude. Mm-hmm. They were, they were chilling. Yeah. So <laughs> the, the funny flavor of, uh, of Mykonids is they're a little, um, high on their own supply. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, they're coded that way in the in the book too. So uh, anyway, they that um, they they were all chilling out, and then we uh, we went down and we found no Fay holder, no Stein. It worked. So uh, anyway, well, we loot his uh, his chamber, and he doesn't really have that many magic items, but just the vindication. <laughs> it is uh, is unreasonably uh great for me so i know a lot of players imagine okay well what if we stuck a bag of holding inside of another bag of holding but i think i kind of broke the game (laughs) because i can make another bag of holding and i can stick another bag of holding in that bag of holding and i'm just saying um maybe zariel's going to space next who's (laughs) who's to say Um, well you know why we wouldn't do it again right because what else got sucked into the hole all of the loot all of the good treasure uh-huh, loot. That's uh-huh, true. Uh-huh. That is very true. So you did lose some magic items there. I did show them what they were in the in the post you know the post credit scene um, <laughs> after this movie was over. But I mean, no, it was it was a very good plan. I am as a DM, someone who is is I'd say I'm part of the rule of cool. You know, if you come up with a really cool lit idea, even <laughs> if the rules don't quite fit it as well as they should, um, I'm still gonna let it happen because I think it's super cool. Um, and everybody seemed very excited that after this thing actually killed the son of the party, that, you know, they got a little bit of vindication. They, they were the Avengers for a session. <laughs> mm-hmm. what, a cool, what a cool session that was. That was a cool session. And then we didn't have to leave the Feywild and be sad that we yeah, lost. <laughs> that you lost and all you got was the item you needed. Yeah, because otherwise, we sucked. Well, and, and <laughs> everybody else. You know, and that wasn't an encounter, like... I explained it to you guys after. I never expected you to, you know, go in and slaughter this thing. Oftentimes, you guys get to go to a boss fight that I prepared and just ream them. Take them out in a couple, like, two or three rounds. No one's close to death. Um, you still have a decent supply of spells on your hands. So, I, I prepared an optional encounter to which you don't have to be here. You have what you needed. You do not have to go through this thing whatsoever. A retreat is fully optional. Um, so, I, I prepped an encounter that was way too hard just to see what would happen, and it was fun. It, it created a scenario that honestly set us up for the next ten sessions of Avernus. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be real, Seth. I mean, 
it wasn't really optional. Like, we had to go in there. But you didn't have to stay. But the and loot. you didn't have to. <laughs> there was loot. We needed the I loot. expected you to go see it, yes. But once you found out what you were up against, I did not expect uh, a full mm. encounter. Um, yeah, but there was definitely loot. There was there was a lot going on there. Um, no. Mean DM. Yeah. What do what? I mean DM. Yeah, yeah, I, w- I was a mean yeah. DM for a session, you know? Yeah. I, You know, you guys get to see me be cool all the time, but, you know, I pull up that, that edgy cow and put something <laughs> put something dif- difficult in your path. Um, and it was it was me trying something new as a DM, too. I wanted to see what an optional encounter like that was like for us. Um, it's something I had never really tried before, of being like, okay, I'm going to prep something that they should not be able to fight here. And, um, against all odds, it's staying here. You guys don't have to be with it here. Yeah, yeah, and against all odds... We did find you a did, way to deal with it. You did find it. a way to deal with it with a really creative solution, and everybody lived. Kind of. Yeah, kind of. And the funniest thing is, it, you're right, it was optional, and we came back and did it twice. <laughs> <laughs> you chose to do my encounter twice. I mean, there you go. Just it's needed true. more of it the second time. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, let's get on to another story, then. That was that was a good one. I think you told it ra- rather well, Zach. I think... You know, we got a lot of good descriptors out of that. Thank you, thank you. Uh, Pat me on the back more, please. <laughs> there you go, Zach. Thank you. Um, Drew, would you like to go next? You haven't gotten to say too, too much. I will go in with my story. So, oh This is personally one of my favorite stories as well, so I'm glad you're about to tell it. I don't have a, a title it's a proud, story, It's a but... proud, lazy DM moment of mine. <laughs> and I think, I think similar to the last one, it is. it, it was a great session because exactly about me. There. Exactly. So I guess we to to start off, I'll give you a little bit of background behind my character. Um, Eknon Greylock is a at the time I'm not sure what level he was, but he was an inquisitive rogue. So he's very sleuthy, very sneaky, very wise. He knows what to look for when he's fighting bad guys. He finds all their weak spots. He had a really cool bow. Um, he actually had a really cool metal bow with a revolving attachment on the side that he could rotate and add different vials of liquid onto his arrows before they fired to have different kinds of effects. So he was basically the coolest character you can think of. So <laughs> so he starts off in his hometown of Nightstone on the Sword Coast. And he lived there for a long period of time with his family. Uh, and he always called it his town because him and his family had been there for a long period of time. They were prominent members of the community because they owned a business called Greylock Co., um, last name was Greylock, Greylock Co., <laughs> and it was all about selling security. So they sold uh, padlocks and uh, small amounts of cell swords and weaponry, things like that. Anything you would use to secure a home or, or anything like that, if you needed it for perhaps like a caravan, that sort of thing. So that being said, his mother and his father lived there, um, Yanare and Akvir. Um, his dad actually ends up passing away in the very beginning of the campaign so it gives a little bit of context to the story so the only member of his family he has left that he loves very much so uh, is his mother Yanare. so we jump forward a little bit in time now um, Eknon has been kicked out of the town um, for some shady dealings that was going on in the town but it wasn't actually his fault uh, he was framed for it um, so he ended up rallying a few adventurers together the the rest of the party to get back into the town and clear his name so he could take back his spot in the town as a normal person that just runs a business that he totally thinks he owns. So they, <laughs> they end up uh, going back. Um, basically, the, the town ends up getting destroyed by some, I won't say what enemies they were because I feel like it is a little bit of a spoiler to uh, part of the, the campaign. Uh, but I would I would say that the way that we handled it and the way that it was in there is not in any way part of the module. So please go ahead. Okay. Well, if that's the case, uh, the town was utterly destroyed by uh, some giants that flew over and just dropped boulders all over the town. Uh, so buildings were destroyed. People were killed. Uh, it was it was bad. The whole place was razed, and basically we had to we take we kind of took it back. We ended up helping some people, but overall it was taken over by a group of people known as the Zenrim. So they're these awful cell swords. They're they're mean and rude, and just want to take your town. And they're <laughs> they're just awful people. Don't ever trust them. But uh, so they took over the town to use as their base of operations. Um, it wasn't anything crazy at the time. There were some people that were allowed to stay there a little bit. Um, it wasn't atrociously bad. 
So we jump forward a little bit more forward in time, and I'm writing my my mother a letter under the uh, this awful reign of the Zenarim, and uh, she basically I get a letter back at the post office saying that my mother has been captured by one of the Zenarim leaders. I would like to step in here okay. because the way that this that this whole planning thing went down is the party had a mission at the time. The mi- um, it didn't and, matter. And you, and you were all going on it, and I had a couple little character pieces prepared for each person. Um, one of them being that one day, Eknon may stop off at a post office, and he'll get this mission, and I expect him to complete it after his current task. Um, <laughs> this, was, this was in the infancy of my DMing, you know? This is the first half of Storm Kings. I'm just getting used to you guys, you know, after, you know, five or six months of playing. And... I was not expecting you to go to, to to immediately be like, oh my god, I have to do two days travel right now straight to Nightstone. It was my mom <laughs> said. I, I, under, I understand everything, but I just want the, the audience to realize that everything that happened beyond this point was completely like, all right, I got to come up with a full D&D session off the top of my head. Okay, here we go. This is what D&D is all about, baby. <laughs> <laughs> Continue, please. So... Just, just another example of why Seth's a really mean DM. He always wants to kill you. He always wants to take your family away. It's, he's just really mean. Don't play for him. Play for Zach instead. But, but, so I get this letter, right? And it's basically saying that my mother has been taken hostage and that we have to come back to Nightstone uh, or else she'll be killed. And the reason we got this letter is because we had been messing with the Zenarim in the area. We had been fighting them. We'd be getting into little scuffles and ruining their plots and plans and things like that. So they were pissed that we were we were messing with them. So on the fly and on the cuff, we decided we have to go back and, and save my mother because she's my mom. Oh, I love my mom. And so we, we go to Nightstone. And the plan was that I had to go in essentially alone. Uh, in order to to get into the town, because they were really they were looking for me specifically as like a, like a hostage. We have leverage over you, kind of a vibe. Um, so the rest of our party was either invisible or hiding nearby at the time. So we ride up to this town. We walk up, and uh, for a little bit of context, Nightstone is actually surrounded by uh, a little bit of a like a moat. A moat, yeah. And so there's this big old drawbridge, which is super cool at the front. I believe there might have been two different gates, but uh, either way, we were going up to this drawbridge to get in. So I walk up to the front of the drawbridge. The rest of the party is hiding behind the hills or invisible or just getting ready for some kind of assault to see how we have to get uh, my mother out of this. So I step up, and there are people at the, on the top of the wall shouting down and ordering Eknon to put down his weapon, take off his armor, and they were going to take him into the, the dungeon where he would be able to see his mother. So that was the deal. You take off your armor, you take off your, your weapons, put everything down, we'll take you in, you can see your mother. So Eknon does it, he takes off his leather armor, I think he had studded leather at the time, he puts down his super cool bow and his, uh, his rapier, he puts it all down, and they start lowering the drawbridge. But as they lower the drawbridge, it smacks down to the bottom, and there was a ton of Zenarim um, fighters on the other side of the drawbridge that immediately unleashed a volley of arrows at Eknon as he's standing there on the other side of this bridge. So he's taking the dodge action at this one because he suspects it's a little fishy. So only a couple of the arrows hit him. He gets littered by these, and he jumps into the moat underneath the drawbridge to avoid the rest of the shots at this point. Uh, he's no armor, no weapons. The rest of the crew starts running in, and we get into this big epic battle that was super cool with the Zenarim on the inside of uh, the Night Zone going across the drawbridge. It was super cool. There were people, I believe, in some towers shooting at us as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're, we're actually missing one of the party members at this point, so it was like, oh god, what do we do? We're fighting this big heavy group of people. Well, yeah, I mean, Morwen had a theater rehearsal. <laughs> Which was very, very important. Well, very important. Yeah, yeah, Morwen would have loved to come rescue your mother, but... um. But yeah, he was at theater rehearsal in Waterdeep. Um, and, and, you know, he didn't even stick around for the play. So I don't know why he couldn't have <laughs> yeah, just showed up for the session. So the, the battle ensues, and we, we're fighting, and, and arrows are flying everywhere, swords are being slashed. Uh, and eventually we, we take down most of the enemies in the main area. So we, we know where my mother is, um, and, but the leader is not here out here. So we have to go find her. So we go over to the keep. And we start, uh, start going into the keep and working our way down. There was a little bit of a, a, like a dungeon area underneath uh, where there were like some prisons and, and some cells. You can keep people in. 
Uh, so we work our way down. But when we get to the bottom, there's one more group of Zenrim. There's the leader of the Zenrim, which I believe his name was Zulkin. Not the not the leader of the Zenrim, the leader of this sect of the Zenrim is called the Seven Snakes. They're all the same. They're all mean. <laughs> they're all meanie heads. So he's there with my mother in front of him at a knife point. So he's going to kill my mother basically right in front of me. There's a number of other uh, evil minions around him taking aim at us. Uh, and he says that basically I need to surrender or he's going to kill my mother right here, right now. So I can't surrender. I know he's going to shoot at me. There's no way. He's already tried to double cross me once. So it gets really intense. We go into a little bit of a, almost like a skill challenge kind of a vibe. Mm -hmm. Basically, I, I tell Seth, look, I want to shoot him with a paralysis arrow that I have. So I want to stun him and get my mother back before anything happens. So we know this. there's not a great chance it's going to work. So I draw my bow super fast so that he doesn't get much of a, much of a shot. Right, we so they roll, both had to make an initiative check. We both make an initiative check to see who goes first. I made it. Not by much, but I made it. So I got to go first. Now comes the next step. My mother is standing in front of the leader here with the knife at her. So he's got like three quarters cover, half uh -huh, cover, uh -huh. something like that. You have so to hit. <laughs> I have to hit. Otherwise, I kill my mother, which is insane. So the stakes being super high. I roll the die. I think it was like a 24. You rolled well over 25. 20. I remember that specifically. It was insane roll. We're flipping out. We're like screaming around the table. <laughs> I'm flipping crap right now. So I, I nail him. But now, as he can save with his arrow, he has to make a save to see if he's paralyzed or not. So he makes the save and fails it. By what? It was <laughs> It was psychotic. We're going nuts this one. I'm flipping out. I feel like I wanted to cry. There was so much stress going on at this point. So he's paralyzed at this point. Now, as he's paralyzed, there's other arrows flying around because the minions are shooting too. She pushes off of him and starts running towards us. Our bard uh, on in the party at the time uses uh, one of his special bard abilities that gave her temporary hit points mm -hmm. and some extra movement as a reaction. Um, so with those extra temp hit points, it actually saved her as in the next turn, one of the minions had shot her in the back uh, and she lived because she had those temp hit points. She lived uh, with four hit points left. Bar so barely alive at this point. She's running towards us. We pull her in the back. We get into this big fight where we end up killing all the minions, and it comes down to just the leader. Just Zulkin, that, that asshole right there. So, basically, he, he throws his weapons down. And I give him an ultimatum. I say, you know what? We don't need to kill you. I've saved my mom now. I'm going to make a deal with you. If you take off your armor, and you put down all your weapons, everything you have will take you to the dungeon, just like you promised me. So he puts it all down, he takes off his armor, all that, and we escort him down to one of the last cells, and we put him in there. I lock up the cell. I go, oh, you know what? You you didn't follow through with your bargain, did you? You you tricked me last time. I put down all of my things and everything you said, but you still shot at me. So I look around at my party members, and I pass out what we had at the time, which was like javelins, and I think someone was firebolting our wizard. Uh, I pulled up my bow, and I said, on your marks. And... Our entire party littered him through the cell and finished him off in like this final act of awesome dramatic justice. And it was awesome. It was <laughs> so cool, so stressful, and it was all about me. So <laughs> I loved every bit of that session. And Marwin did show up right at the, the, <laughs> the, the, the very last moment, right as uh, Eknon's giving his dramatic speech. Uh, Morwen walks in with his, uh, his script and says... Ah, you know, I, I just couldn't stay at rehearsal. <laughs> um, so I was that was, like that was a very minutes. proud moment for me because that was so cinematic. And I was like, oh, I didn't have to plan any of this. <laughs> oh, yes. And I mean, luckily, I remembered the layout of Nightstone and the layout of the keep in Nightstone. So all of that was true to true to the book. But man, that was... I'm heated right I, now. I know. I'm, I'm saying like, right I now. feel the chills right now from that. Ooh. Oh, it was so much fun. It was so intense. Oh, my God. <laughs> I'm so glad Zach wasn't there to see it. Not take yeah. Of my all the sessions are great when Zach's not yeah. in them. <laughs> yeah, get out of here, Zach. Y yeah. <laughs> all right. 
we have gone long in this episode, but I do have one final story for us, and I'll try to keep it a little briefer. Um, I feel like your two stories were much more cinematic and cool than this one was, but I think it's a decently interesting experience that we all shared. Agreed. Um, so this was... Along those same lines, this is related to Drew's story, actually, because it actually set Drew's story in motion, which is the time that we played a D&D session over text. <laughs> um, <laughs> I forgot about this. A little bit of background. I was working at Carowinds at the time. We had weekly scheduled sessions, but um, we were just about to go on winter break for college, meaning that... I was starting my winter break job, which was a sound engineer at Carowinds, uh, an, wait, amusement, wait, yeah, uh, an amusement park, park in North Carolina. Um, music major, you know, this is kind of the dream thing to be doing on your breaks is to, you know, actually have a job related to your field. So I had to go back and forth to the, to the park, but we were on a time crunch is how I felt about the campaign. I felt like I have to finish Storm King's Thunder in one year of college, meaning in 30 to 40 sessions, this campaign needs to wrap up, needs to be done. Um, so I'm kind of rushing it through, you know, later along the lines, I did end up changing that philosophy, ended up being like, no, let's run it next year too. Let's go full two year sessions, um, of the game. I think we ended up with like 60, 50 to 60 sessions of the, of the game total, which I mean, ended up being an awesome like experience for all of us, but that has nothing to do with this story. Um, I was on a time crunch and we were missing today's session because I was in, um, Charlotte, North Carolina. So... That means that we are, instead of skipping the session altogether, the party is doing a lot of travel right now. They just finished fighting some frost giants far up in Bryn Shander, and they need to make it down to, I believe, Neverwinter was where you were heading, to meet a contact um, of the Lord's Alliance. Was it the Lord's Alliance or the um, Gauntlet? Uh, Order of the Gauntlet. Gauntlet. Yeah, Yeah. and and a contact from the Order of the Gauntlet. um, So you guys need to get to Neverwinter to meet your contact from the Order of the Gauntlet. Which is very, very far away. <laughs> um, I believe you you get there, you um, end up speaking with him, and that's where we left off on our previous session in person is after you finish speaking to this contact. So, you start heading from north to south, far down to Waterdeep for your next leg of the mission. Um, on your way there, um, I start the, the text session. I say, hey guys, uh, can you... Can we just play over text today? I'd like to see how we do. Uh, I, I know we've never done this before, but instead of having like official combat, let's do a little bit of a um, like an impromptu session over text. Is everyone available right now, or for the rest of the night? Can we can we have some decisions being made? Everyone said yes. So what I start doing while I'm in between like running shows at Carowinds is I start typing out long passages of text. Now, typically at a show at Carowinds, we'd have like 30 minutes of downtime. So I had time to, you know, get out, walk around, type out um, passages, um, and respond to questions from my friends. Um, And we start doing so. You guys are traveling south. You happen to, you happen across a um, group of travelers on a cart that is passing by you as you're walking. And as you're doing so, you notice that they have a familiar emblem on their um, hmm. robes, hmm. that of which is the Zentrum. One of your party members also happens to be a member of the Zentrum, to which you've known for a long time. At this point, you know, you're not that familiar with them. You know that they're on the shadier side, but more of the sell-sold mercenary side, not really the criminal um, charlatan type of side. They tell you that they are searching currently for a bronze dragon who has been harassing their carts along the um what is the what i forgot the name of the road the high high road road. the high road Uh, road. so a bronze dragon has been harassing their carts along the high road and you guys uh and they're looking for him they want to take him out and you guys think well we're looking for some work you know along the way why not help out some friends of our friend um winston's happy to see some zenter members you guys are happy to help some friends and and you all get together and start you know looking you you hear he's in the area so within a few hours you feel like you might be able to find this bronze dragon um and you do so as this entire encounter starts up um with this bronze dragon come steamrolling through the trees um as he crash lands directly through the center and cart they all start drawing their weapons you all start drawing yours and the dragon gives you guys a choice 
uh, he says, basically to you, you guys look kind of friendly. I'm not trying to hurt you, but um, these guys are after me. I'm the good guy here. Um, and that's, you know, simplifying it a little bit. I had a long passage typed out to which I don't have available to me right now. But the you guys are caught in between a rock and a hard place. He kind of tells you that those guys are the bad guys. I'm the good guy. And you guys are under a different impression. Um, and Winston in the middle is like, uh, uh, you, you guys can kind of tell the bronze dragon is correct. Um, from your history, knowing about, about these things, you know, they're typically on the side of good. Um, while they are on the more chaotic side, they may, um, they're not usually evil. They're not usually bad. They're not doing anything, um, mischievous and horrible to anybody. So he has to have a good reason for his actions is what you would think. Um, and we also knew the Zentarim to be morally dubious, at least. And our, yeah. our friend Winston, uh, played, of course, by Kilometer Eric, um, was, was just very... <laughs> Kilometer Eric? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, Kilometer Eric. I don't, I don't sure. know why I'd have to explain this to you. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, um, we, we knew them to be sort of... Just a little suspicious, morally speaking. Exactly. Uh, talking about, you know, yeah, let's rob their corpses and, and you know, murder these people. Um, so that seemed a little odd. Yeah. And <laughs> so at this point, you guys were like, well, let's try to let's try to just stop the conflict. Let's, let's let everybody talk here. To which Mormon does a very good job of casting calm emotions on everyone. A couple of the guys calmed down. But it seems as though the leader and a couple of the other minions that did make their saves are still intent on killing this bronze dragon. Um, and the bronze dragon is going to wipe the floor with these guys. It's apparent <laughs> from the beginning that this thing is going to ream these Zenturim guys' asses. And you guys don't really want to be a part of that. So Mormon tries his best to calm the situation down. I make a few checks on my phone. The players are rolling things in person and wherever they are. Um, and we have a, we have a few checks to go over text, which I trust my players. I know they're going to be truthful with me, and I trust myself because I did it. Um, <laughs> yeah, I see it all the time, all so, the time. Yeah, yeah, I, I see it too in person. I watch oh, you yeah. say a different number, and I go, ah, classic Drew. That's why I dialed. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the combat does ensue after this calm, calm emotions, and instead of running a typical combat, I run up to this person, I make an attack, I um. And we, we have rolls back and forth, damage back and forth. I make this a cinematic, like, scripted movie scene based on the choices that you make. So this person says they're going after this person. This person says they're going after this person. I ask each individual player what they choose to do in this combat and then narrate it. Um, which may seem a little bit railroady, but we were on a time crunch. So uh, this is a side thing. We'll worry about it later. Well, we were also over text, and everyone was doing other things exactly, at the same time. Exactly, exactly. This was happening over the course of maybe like five or six hours. Yeah, this was this was a long, a long uh, while. So, um, this whole huge scene happens where the um, there were a couple of like general guards enter him. They were just soldiers. Um, there was a wizard, like a mage, enter him guy, and then there was a more fighter esque dwarven females enter him woman. Um, she ends up going, like, toe-to-toe with Felgalos as, um, he, this bronze dragon swoops down, I just gave up his name, but whatever, um, the bronze dragon swoops down against her, um, and does, like, a Charizard against Articuno seismic toss, and tosses her, (laughs) tosses her against the ground, that's a little Pokemon lore for you, if you were wondering about that, um, but he seismic tosses this dwarven woman into the ground, she's deceased immediately, um, the party managed to take on these other Zentrum folks, and the mage is like, oh, shoot, these adventurers are all teaming up against us. I got a GTFO right now. He turns invisible and manages to retreat. But this entire time, Winston has not made a move. No decision has been made, as uh, Winston was a dragon, a red dragonborn, um, very Deadpool-esque type of character, wields two scimitars. I, I believe it was two, or was it two short swords. Short swords. Two short, mm-hmm. wields two short swords, has sort of those, like, voices going on in his head, sometimes has a little fourth wall type deal going on. But overall, um, he uses this uh, head, like, this voices in the head tactic to get out of the situation, not have to make a moral decision. But, you know... The party didn't take too kind of that, and neither did the Zentrum. He, he kind of got the, the worst end of two situations. And this is the point where the text session itself ends, as 
they uh, the bronze dragon lands and begins to speak to the party. The text session ends. But I don't want to end it there. Because fallout from this happens for sessions and sessions to come. The party does make it to Waterdeep um, with their newfound friend Felgalos, the bronze dragon, who I feel we will mention in numerous stories in the future. Um, he became a dear friend of the party for the entirety of the campaign, um, all the way through to the final session of the campaign, and he was still around and kicking there at the end. So, needless to say, this was a very iconic character for us, and um, he is from a DM's Guild um, module that I that I picked up as a, like a little addition to Storm King, so if you end up finding um, that, he it's a great addition to the campaign, he has a little side quest that goes along with it all, but... The party head to Waterdeep next. Felgalos gives them a little mission. It says, hey, meet me here if you'd like to do it. I'll be at my lair. Um, just head to this area and I'll be flying around probably during the day. Um, and they do that later on. But when they get to Waterdeep, Winston is kidnapped in the middle of the day. Um, pulled to the side and taken. And nobody really knows where he went. Um... One of the head honchos of the Zentarium, this half-work fellow with an eye patch, is speaking to Winston and says, You have an ultimatum here. You stay here. You are deranked. You are back to grunt level. And you stay with us and you work with us. Or you go with your little adventuring party. And I like you, so I'll let you go for now. But you've made an enemy of us. And next time we see you, it's not going to be on good terms. And Winston makes his decision. He stays in Waterdeep for the long haul. And all of this leads up to the Zentrum eventually coming back. Eventually, uh, Eknon finds out they overtook his home, and um, he goes and saves it. And finally, there is a big face-off with Winston later in the campaign, where <laughs> Dalith, yeah. Winston's oh, no. best friend, who was he, Dalith, um, was a blue dragonborn. Winston was a red dragonborn. They became fast friends in the campaign, um, and later on. Winston does end up, or the Zentarim do end up, you know, not by accident, but a little bit by accident, assassinating um, Dalith's mother. Um, <laughs> yeah. it, it, it was not it was by, not, by accident no, the, it was, to, to attack, but they were trying to kill Dalith. They were trying to kill Dalith, and Dalith's mother, who was also an adventurer, ended up saving him. Um, and Dalith goes crazy. I mean, as one would whenever their mother is lost. Um, he fly, he knows that the only surviving member of this assassination group or of the, of this group of the Zentrum is Winston and he knows where Winston's headed straight to the Lord's Alliance yep, to, yep. Get, to be put in jail. Uh, of course, mentioning that, uh, that Morwin was the one that, that faced off against Winston <laughs> yes, and, and, yes. and wiped up the floor with him, but spared his life, of course, because we had history. Correct. Correct. They had history. Um, Winston didn't really deserve to die there. Morwin deemed so. Um, so, Dalith goes wild. He flies to the, to the hall of the, the Lord's Alliance, finds that Winston is now being taken inside, and stops the guard, says he has orders to take Winston with him. The guards say, no you fucking don't. <laughs> we have orders straight from the top to take Winston here. We know what we're doing. And Dalith doesn't take kindly to that. Um, he does manage to convince the guards to let him come in with, to which he turns Winston around in one act of grace and casts Disintegrate on him. Winston turns to dust as he only has like seven hit points or so left. Um, disintegrate turns Winston to dust and Dalith is arrested for the murder. Oh, that's so Woo! heavy. <laughs> it was so heavy when that happened. Oh, oh that was insane. Yeah, no, and that all led from that text session was because... Um, that wizard who flew away invisibly was the one who could notify about this. He he made it to Waterdeep in a, uh, with his invisibility spell, um, successfully getting away from you guys, informed everyone of what happened, and now these enter you guys are on the eye of the center room now from from now on. Yeah, and we did get uh, attacked by them a couple more times, didn't we? Yes, you almost got assassinated and barged right in. Yep, yep. Um, you were. I believe you were noticed by them in the Dungeon of the Mad Mage at some point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, um, yeah, because they had a little thing going on down yeah, there. Yeah, so you guys, you guys were noticed by them in the Dungeon of the Mad Mage, and um, there were a couple other instances in which you would run into a member or two. Um, they were they were a long-standing like villain, and you guys never really got to you know wrap that up. So yeah, well, and, and early on, uh, Winston and 
uh, my character Morwen were sort of uh, you know the budding rivals. I was yeah. definitely trying to warm them up to the to the group of us. Like, hey, <laughs> yeah, 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 you exactly. know, we're, we're we're team members, right? Oh, you're a fighter. I'm a paladin. We sort of do like some of the same things. Yeah, we like both hit things really hard. Yeah, like like I'll, I'll, I'll tank if you attack. <laughs> let's, be, let's be honest, though. Morwen was always a little stronger. Oh well. Starting from the beginning, I'd say Winston was probably... Um, yeah, being able to do two attacks, you know, an offhand attack and stuff. That was pretty nice, but, like, I don't know. I always... I think the Paladin is a pretty cool fighter just because of the, you know, the Divine Smite and stuff. But, you yeah. know, from the very beginning, I get what you mean. Yeah, yeah. Well, because I also took... Um, at the start, I was mostly a sorcerer, too. Yeah. Um, I always forget you were a sorcerer. I always think you just... Morwen's, you know, righteous and powerful paladin kind of vibe. Not divine soul sorcerer, baby. Yep. But well, anyway, any uh, any closing thoughts, boys, uh, on, uh, <laughs> on these events? Uh, I'm sure you all will uh, will hear more about uh, Morwen and uh, and our whole adventure. And you know, we didn't even mention once by name Beryl. Uh, <laughs> Beryl didn't really come oh. up in these as much, though. Like no. these stories weren't t- are particularly related to him, but. You know, I got some barrel stories ready to go. So. Yeah, yeah, but that, that was our uh, our adventuring party's name was Barrel and the Giants Bay. <laughs> yeah, that's true. All right, well, thank you guys for joining us this week. Um, as I usually say, please write into the show if you uh, have anything you'd like to question, any comments, if you have your own D&D stories that you'd like to tell. Um, we'd be happy to read through them in, in a couple of segments or episodes. Um, other than that, I'm just going to leave it straight to the character. He'll let you know about, you know, Twitter and social media and all the other things that we're up to. So, character, over to you. Back at you, Seth. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Table Talk Friday. For more D&D content, follow these humans on Twitter at Table Talk Friday and be one of the first to write into the show by sending in your questions and episode suggestions. Send these inquiries to tabletalkfriday at gmail.com. And last but not least, come back next Friday for another episode. Thank you.